So good morning. Turn to your neighbor and say good morning. We are glad you are here today. We are excited about this. Um, I'm excited to hear the word of the Lord. How many of you know the word of the Lord is what God said? Amen. And Pastor Sean's going to share what's on his heart today. So let's give him a welcome. Sean, come on up and, and minister today to us in the word. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, sir. I'm just going to stay down here. I never like being, you know, so well, so high and so far away. This way I can kind of spit on the front row a little bit. So I'm just going to pray before I begin to uh, minister the word today. So, Father God, we just thank you for your word. Lord, you have given us such a rich treasure, Father. Lord, we just thank you, Father. Lord, we just believe we receive, Father, as your word goes forth today, God, that you give us ears to hear, hearts to understand, the faith to believe and receive, God, what it is that you're speaking to us. And we just give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So you can go ahead and start rolling the slides. Go ahead. The next slide. Thanks. So um, when you hear the words, and God said, what do you think of? Okay, somebody said creation. Good. And God said... And God said, anything else that comes to anybody's mind? So if God says that it will happen, okay, salvation, okay. So um, I just want to spend some time just kind of looking at some different places where this is in the scriptures. And um, we'll, just, we'll just go ahead and get started. And God said, so... Whoever said uh, creation, that's where we're going to begin. I always like starting in Genesis, and this is, you know, I feel always comfort, you know, going back to Genesis. But um, and we're not going to go through any of these scriptures. Most of these scriptures you'll be familiar with. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time digging deep into the stories or breaking things down today. We're just kind of really kind of focusing on this one idea of God speaking and God said. So... Again, because we're familiar with it, but I do want to go through the first two or three verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. I want to read that verse again before I go on. The earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Go ahead. Then God said. Then God said. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Okay, so just we'll park on the next slide for a little bit. Go ahead. So, again, you know, I... We just don't have time to go into each of those words that's in those first few verses. But if you want to just close your eyes and see this dark, formless, there's no shape, there's no order, it's a mess. When God spoke into creation, things were not in order. It was a dark mess. Murky, no light, until God said. And over and over again in Genesis chapter 1, 
we see a transformation that takes place over time as God keeps speaking. As God keeps speaking into the dark. I'm letting these words sink in. If you're wondering, it's like, what's going on? Hear what he's saying. <laughs> Empty. Chaotic. Mess. Into that dark, empty, chaotic mess, God spoke. And I, and I, this is, it's, it's hard to even put these next few words, you know, I don't even know if I'll read what I have on the slide. But we don't even have a clue how amazing creation was. Because we only know it in its fallen state. It's polluted state. It's littered state. We have no clue. Even if you've been to Hawaii, even if you've been to some pristine, I remember I, I had the opportunity to live in Alaska, and I remember that one summer we're on this, um, you know, I was participated in this youth conservation corps, and they, they get groups of kids together, and they send them out into the middle of nowhere to paint picnic tables at parks and things like that. But they sent us on a rafting trip even farther north. So we went into this area that was above the Arctic Circle and into this, just this, what I thought would be pristine wilderness. And we started hiking and we were supposed to document what we saw. It was a boondoggle, if you know that's a government term for it. <laughs> anyway, but it was fun. I really, really enjoyed it. But when I got out there with the other young people, we found trash. <laughs> we found litter. We found where people had been there before us and had l left junk. And it was amazing. You know, I was like, of all places, I expected to see nothing, but there was something. <laughs> but anyway, so no matter where we've been in our lives and our journeys and jungles or whatever, none of us have ever seen the perfection that was what creation was when God spoke it into in existence. And what we see is absolutely amazing. You know, um, I had an opportunity the other day. I, I, don't, I don't usually get up early enough to see the sunrise. I'm busy getting my shower and stuff, and I usually were, got our evening routines, and so I don't usually get to be, see very many sunsets. But the other day, um, I was with Callan, and it was uh, 7.30 or so is when the sun goes down. And we were by a lake, and just to see the colors. And God said, and God said, go ahead. So this is really the point of this message, and I'm going to be saying it over and over and over again, <laughs> and using different scriptures to just kind of give us different pictures of things that God has spoken into. This is a real simple message today. So I just have a few questions. And so as we see and watch God speak into these situations, as we saw in just this few moments of sharing of God's creation, the purpose of that is not just to, it's like, oh, wow, that's really wonderful. 
God wants to speak into each one of our lives. God has spoken into each one of our lives. There's both. He already has spoken, and he is wanting for us to hear what he has spoken. So but this is the question. What things in your life, in my life, are empty? Got lots of time today. What things are chaotic? Chaotic just means out of order. Think of your children's room. What things are just a mess? What things are dark? When you look that direction, you just see darkness. God is wanting to speak into those things. He's wanting to speak into us and bring forth the same kind of beauty that he can and did in creation. What does God want to speak into our situations, into our emptiness, into our messes, into the darkness? Go ahead. So we're going to take a look at, like I said, a few other examples. Just because in God's word, and I just picked out a handful but almost everywhere you look, whenever God is speaking, he is doing just that, bringing out of nothing something, bringing out of a mess order, bringing into darkness light. So um, I thought it was interesting, the songs that we sang this morning, it's like, oh, <laughs> storms. Um, God is good always, kind of just sets the stage. Um, so if you have your scriptures, you want to look, we're going to just be looking at a handful of verses in Mark. Mark chapter 4, verses 37 through 40. Um, and we're all familiar with the scriptures. We've probably all heard them preached many times. We've read them for ourselves. But I want to, again, take it that little bit different direction. And there arose a fierce gale of wind. So you guys already know where we're going. The disciple, Jesus has spoken to his disciples and said, cross to the other side. They got into the boat. And Jesus is there, and this is what happens, and it's nighttime. There arose a fierce gale of wind. The waves were breaking over the boat, so much so that the boat was already filling up. That the boat was already filling up with water. What happens when boats fill up with water? Okay, this is a picture of where they're at. So I want you to have a little bit of compassion sometimes. You know, we, we, we read through these verses so quickly, and it's like um, some of the things that they're going to say were like, how could they have said that? But go on. The boat was sinking is how they could have said that. 
Jesus himself was in the stern or the back of the boat, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, the disciples, they woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care? Now, you have to remember, there's a gale force wind. Some of you have just seen what happens when hurricane force winds come on land, and you watched it. You've seen all those clips. Storms are loud. Storms are noisy. The wind is shrieking and okay. So that's, they're not just saying, excuse me, teacher, teacher. No, they're shouting, teacher, you know, and the wind just carried their words away. Don't you care that we're perishing? Go ahead. And Jesus, he got up, he rebuked the wind, he said to the sea, and God said, and God said, hush. And that's all it took. Hush. Don't you wish you could do that in certain situations? <laughs> uh, there's, there's a movie. I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever watched it, but it's about somebody discovers that their VCR remote, I mean, that's how old it is, controls their wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not speaking of my wife, never, never, but, but, but still, it's just a funny thing to think that you would have that power over to, to rewind and, you know, anyway. Okay, I don't, how did we get there? Yes, uh, <laughs> if anybody wants to take me home today. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Anyway, so, hush, be still, and the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. So remember the situation. Go ahead to the next slide. So you have a storm. You have wind. You have waves. You're in a little boat out on the water, and the boat is filling up. The boat is sinking. The boat is sinking. What storm Here's your question. This is your takeaways. What storm is raging in, in our lives today? Do we feel like our boat's about to sink? Our boat is about to sink. Does it feel like Jesus is asleep? I don't know about you, but I've felt that way sometimes. But does it feel like Jesus is asleep to your situation, to your condition, and that he doesn't care? How many of us have ever said something like what Peter did, or the disciples did? Don't you care? How could God be letting this happen to me? I've said things like that. Go ahead. Again, there's, there's just so much. What command is Jesus wanting to release into your situation that will restore peace and calm? How many of us have been in a storm, into, in a difficult situation, and somebody says, pray? Have you thought about praying? 
And our immediate thought is, has it come to that? Are things really so bad that we have to pray about them now? What command is Jesus wanting to release into our situation that will restore peace and calm? I don't think I put the rest of the scripture, but when Jesus does that, they immediately are come to land. Not just, to, not just that the storm is just over, but they immediately get to land. And I don't know if you've ever been on a boat in rough water, but the one place you want to be on to is land. You want to get out of that boat, for one thing, and you want to just, your legs might be still going like this, you know, because of, you get used to being on the water, but go ahead. Jesus does say this to them, though, and we're going to take just a few moments to kind of talk about this for a little bit. So all the situation, of course, Jesus is asleep. They wake him up. He speaks to the storm. It's calm now. What do you think Jesus is going to say to them? Oh, I'm so glad you woke me up. Because I guess we would have all got wet, right? No, no. He doesn't tell them that. What does he say? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? We've been studying in the book of Mark in our Sunday school class, and he asked them that a lot. <laughs> Those of us that have been in there were like, oh, boy, we heard it again. Here it is again. <laughs> oh, faithless generation, don't you have any faith? You know, will we find faith on the earth? Why were you afraid? Okay, so again, back in the situation, storm's over, peace and calm has come, disciples are there, Jesus is there, and Jesus says, why were you afraid? Why were you afraid? Do you still have no faith? So, again, we're just kind of taking these situations in a surface way. We're not going to spend enough time in each one of these to really develop them. But the disciples, in order for Jesus to say this, it was possible for them to be in the middle of a storm with the boat sinking and to not be afraid. I don't know about you, but my brain goes, does not compute, does not compute. It is possible to be in the middle of a storm and your boat is going down and to not be afraid. And to have faith even in that. Otherwise, Jesus would not have said this. It would not be fair for him to um, rebuke them, to demand that out of these people who have walked with him, he would not have the right to demand from them something they could not do. That's not fair. He's not going to do that. He had to... In order for him to be able to say this, they had to be able to do it. Otherwise, it's an empty word and it's not fair. Nah. Bah. Bah. That's not true. 
So, storms, sinking boats, no fear, having faith. We'll go ahead and one more slide. So, and again, we're just going to kind of take some thoughts here. Sometimes Jesus is waiting in the storm to see what we are going to do. As much as I would like to be able to tell you that this life, this Christian life, is not going to have any problems, that is not true. As much as I would like to be able to say that you'll never get sick, you'll never have a financial challenge, you'll always have more than enough of everything you'd ever want. You know, you'll have what you want, when you want, you know, um, and the way you want it. You know, life isn't Burger King. We sometimes wonder, and we ask that question, why, why, why? Well, here's the answer. Whether we like it or not, these difficult seasons we experience, these storms, finding our feet wet, in the boat, out on the lake, and the boat's going down, these things happen to us to see what we will do. Sorry. <laughs> That's life. We don't like that. We don't want that. But life has situations that arise that come up with that are there for us to overcome. If you ever spend some time in the book of Revelations, there's two chapters that are addressed to the churches. And in the very end of each little exhortation that Jesus is speaking and through the Apostle John, and he's giving these words to each church, to each church, to each church, to each church. And he says, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. And do you know that it delights the Lord when we overcome? It delights him when we stand and say, storm in the name of Jesus, peace, be still. It delights him because he says, that's my boy, that's my girl. Because that's who he has created us to be. That when the enemy can send his best assignment of destruction against our lives, against the, our assignments, against who God has called us to be, and we stand up and speak his word to that storm, to that situation, to that enemy, in the name of Jesus, peace be still. Will we have faith? And there are times that the storm comes and we don't know why and we don't understand. But in those moments, if we don't know what to say, we can ask him. James says, if any of you lack wisdom, right after he says, talks about persecution and difficulties, <laughs> have joy in him, oh boy. <laughs> but the reason is, is because you were destined, you we're designed, we as believers are designed to be overcomers. 
First John, it says, who is he that overcomes the world? Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believes that Jesus is the Christ? Are there any believers in the house this morning? <laughs> if you have faith enough to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, believe it or not, you, I, we all have faith enough to be overcomers in this life. That no matter what the enemy brings against us, we have the ability, with God's help, by his word, by the authority of his word, to overcome. Okay, we'll go ahead and go on. We'll look at a couple more situations. Um, and I, I do want to say this, because this is an important thing. Because if Jesus is waiting to see what we will do, he's giving us an opportunity to stand up and speak. Um, hopefully, none of us are this kind of parent, but there are parents out there that whenever an obstacle comes in front of their child, they quickly move it. They quickly get in there and move it. Oh, no, we don't want my child. I don't want my son or I don't want my daughter to have to experience this difficulty or this problem so that they never learn. God's a good parent. He's a good shepherd. He wants us to grow. As much as we don't like to grow up because it might mean that we stub our toe every now and then. And we have problems every now and then. But he's wanting us to grow. To grow. Your storm today, my storm, may be waiting to see what am I going to say. Go ahead. So I want to just take a couple more situations. This is 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 through 7, just because, I don't know, this is, these were just the situations I believe the Lord wanted to use. And again, you know, if you want to read the whole passage, it's in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. I'm not going to be taking time today to just go through the whole thing. So I'm just going to kind of gloss over and pull out a couple, couple verses. But in this passage, we are introduced to a woman who has debt. She owes money. Actually, it was her husband who owed the money. Women, has, uh, wives can say amen. Um, so it was actually a family in debt. The husband passes away, and then she's stuck with all the debt. So in that day, in that, the way they handled it was that they, she had two sons. And to pay the debt, to meet the cost of the debt, her sons were going to become slaves. Now, bad situation, right? I mean, try to put yourself in this lady's shoes. She is at the point where they're coming to take her kids. It's not DHS, but it's about a scarier or scarier. Her, her sons are about to be taken. I want to just say something, though. This woman's husband, who's passed away, who's gone, who made mistakes, who got him into debt, he had 
a connection. He had somebody that he knew. Okay? He had a connection. He had somebody he knew. He was in the school of the prophets. What do prophets do? And God said. So, when she finds herself in this situation, she doesn't just throw up her hands and say, that's it. It's over. Bye, sons. I love you, but have fun being slave. And then going and begging on the streets. She has a connection. She has a connection to somebody who has a connection to God. Prophets. So, that is why she ends up going to Elisha, the prophet, to ask the man of God for help. Okay, next. So, Elisha speaks. Again, you can read the whole thing, and, and, but I'm just going to take a few verses out. So, she tells her story. She tells what the situation is. And Elisha says to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. She doesn't have anything to pay the debt in the natural. She has her two sons. She's got herself. She's got the house. And the only thing that she has left is one jar of oil. And he asks her, what do you have in the house? Go ahead. Then he gives her this instruction. So she says, I have a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels or containers, jugs at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. And don't just get a few. Next verse. And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out oil into all these vessels and you shall set aside what is full. Okay, go ahead. Okay, we're going to just park there for a second. So, what did the woman have in her house? She had a jar of oil. Did she know what to do with it? Was it already in her house? So even though what she needed was already in her house, did she know what to do with it? Who did? God. God cared enough for her. Elisha the prophet cared enough for her to share with her some instructions. I want to say it again. I know it's just, did she already have in the house the key? But what was the other key? It was God. She had a connection to somebody who had a connection to God, Elisha the prophet. Her husband was, was in the school of the prophets. So we know the story. She does exactly what he said, which is, it's not 
part of what I'm emphasizing here, but you, when he gives you instructions, do what he said. <laughs> we, we didn't, I'm not using the scripture where Jesus uh, turns the water to the wine, but Mary gives instructions to those servants. And she says to him, whatever he says to you, do it. If you want a miracle in your life today, that's the other side of this message. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, whatever he says to you, do it. Um, anyway, okay, so back to the lady. She does exactly what she, uh, the, guy, uh, the prophet says to her. Her sons gather the jars. They start pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring, and then they finally get to the place where there aren't any more jars. Now, this is where I have a tremendous amount of respect for this woman because she goes back to him. This is verse 7. This is where we are. And she told the man of God what happened. Who started this miracle? That's a trick question, huh? The lady did because she came to the prophet, right? The prophet gave the instructions. So, so there's this continuum. There is this process. And even though the miracle has taken place, this miracle of multiplication has taken place, she still goes back to the prophet and asks, what do I do now? And it's okay. You know, sometimes things happen in our lives and, and we may start something and then we don't know what to do next. It's okay. <laughs> Ask. It's okay. Ask. Sometimes, and this is what I think is so amazing about this particular passage, is because she had something already. And... And even though God multiplied it, and now she's got a whole lot of that something, she still was humble enough to not try to figure it out on herself, by herself. Um, I used to live in California. I used to live in Northern California. I used to live in a little town called Sonoma. And I, um, the pastor who was our pastor at the time, he used to say something. And, you know, I would, like, what? But he made the comment over and over, really. But he would say, when he would try to help people, this was the response that he got. I already know. I already know. He would try to help them, try to give them wisdom, try to give them instruction, try to, oh, I know, I know, I already know. That's what's, I again, come back to this woman. Even though the miracle has happened, she's got this house full of oil jars, full of oil. She was humble enough to come back to the prophet and say, what do I do now? This is what happened. This is what happened. I'm sure she was excited. And he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Let's go ahead. And again, I, I know I'm just kind of releasing some things. You know, we're not necessarily teaching so much. It's just there's certain things I know need to be said today. God's words can deliver us from debt. They can save our children from slavery 
and bondage. And again, slavery doesn't always look like, you know, uh, wrists or imprisonment or whatever. There's lots of kind of slavery. They can pay our debt off completely, and in the scriptures that we were looking at, she was to go and live on the rest. So there was more than enough. So she wasn't destitute after all that miracle. God blessed her so much that she not only paid the debt, but she and her sons had something to live on. That's God. That's God. That's God. Um, let's go ahead and go through the next one. So again, the, and again, we're just choosing lots of different situations. First Kings, this time, different, different prophet. First Kings 17, 10 through 17. And again, I'm only just going to really briefly set this up. So what do you have? It's a time of famine, time of drought. No crops, no produce, and um, the prophet had just been living by a brook, and some ravens were bringing food to him, and the river dries up. The ravens stop coming. Okay, so God gives him instruction to go to a different community, a different place, and he goes, and so this is where this picks up. First Corinthians, or sorry, First Kings 17, 10 through 17 is the whole story, but the bottom line is you have a hungry prophet. Okay, he's hungry, and you have a widow and this is her situation. She is making her last meal for herself and for her son. She only has enough food for one meal, and that's it. She's done. And she says that she makes this statement that we're going to do that. I'm going to make my last meal, and we're going to die. How, and that's who God sent the prophet to. He told her, he told the prophet how to find her. She's, he gives her a sign, and he says, you will find a woman gathering sticks. This is how you know who I am sending you to. So the prophet comes. He's hungry. He sees the woman gathering sticks. She's, um, and so he meets her, and she, you know, he says, go, go get me something to drink. And, and, you know, and then she begins to tell him his story and says, well, you know, we're about to die. We only have enough food for one more meal for myself, for my son, and then we're going to die. Now, think about God's sense of humor. Did God send him to a palace? Did God send him to a buffet? God sent him to a woman who had only enough meal, one meal, only enough food for one meal. And then her attitude is, and then we're going to die. Talk about a negative person. She was not looking for deliverance. She was not looking to be rescued. She had no answer for her situation. So this situation is different. Okay? She had no answer for her situation. This was her answer. This was what she has been thinking and what she has been speaking. We're going to eat the rest of our food and we're going to die. Pretty harsh, but that's where she was at. And God, in his love and in his mercy, sends to her a hungry prophet. And this is where we want to go next. Let's look at the next verse. So, and Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Go and do what you said. Go fix your last meal. 
but this is what I want you to do. Make me a little bread cake from it first. Just a little one. And bring it to me. And afterward, you may make one for yourself and for your son. Now, if you are in a situation where you have enough food for one last meal, are you wanting to share it with anybody? So here is her test. Hmm. But he goes on. He gives her a promise. For thus says, and God said, this says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So God gave her a promise. If you do this, if you make that little cake for me, not even a big one, just a little one for me first, and bring it to me, and then you make yours, this is what God will do. Go ahead. And God kept his word. And if you know the scriptures, you know the story. God does. And God sustains them supernaturally. Go ahead. And verse 16, it says, The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. And it was years, not just a day or two. So as we bring this to a close, I just want to, again, I know I've said it before, but, but the whole idea of this message is no matter what our situation, even if we're on the top of the world right now, and everything's going our way, and whoo-hoo, um, God still has more. God still has more. God still has more. And, and if that's not our situation, and we have some storms, and we have some sinking boats, and we have a mess, and we have a lot of darkness, and we have emptiness, God is wanting to speak. God has already spoken into our situation. How do we find out what he said? So this is where I'm going to just give a few simple things. You know, um, God gives us his word. How many people are in the Bible? If you don't own a Bible, you have one on your phone or two or three or four or access through the Internet. We all have access to his word. Um, maybe we didn't know it was there, how to get into it, but it's all there. God has already spoken into our situation. When we spend time in his word, his word gets into us. And the more time we spend in his word, the more his word gets into us and has the ability to change our situations. Now, when we spend time in his word, there's, a, there's an unconscious process that happens as we just, you know, we hear, thou shalt not commit adultery or whatever. You know, it means so whenever the enemy comes with certain situations, we already know, wait, no, nah, that's, that's not the way God said to do it. You know, when, when difficult things come, God's word's already there, though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You mean God's word will be there. 
So if we spend time in it, it will be there. But there are always situations when we walk into them, when we go through them, we're challenged by them, right? God is wanting us to grow. So it's going to be something we haven't walked through before. It's going to be a new storm. It's going to look different, feel different. It's like, ah, okay. And so let's find out. So if we don't know what to do, go ahead and go to the next slide. If we're having trouble hearing, we know again, and again, I didn't put the scripture there, but it's in James chapter 1. If any of you lack wisdom, ask. If any of you lack wisdom, ask. If you're in a storm today, if you're in darkness, you have emptiness, whatever your situation is, debt, if you are in those positions, God says, Jesus says, James says, just ask. And the good news is, is that even if we don't know any better, there are times that God will send somebody to us just because he loves us that has the answer. That was that last situation. If you feel today that you're unworthy, you don't know the Lord, you don't know his word, and it's like, you know, God will still get to you. God will still, he is so good. But if we're having trouble hearing or finding out what he has said, what did we see that the lady did? She went and found somebody who knew God. And we see that. You actually see that pattern over and over in Scripture. When Saul's dad lost this donkey, he sends Saul to go find the prophet. You know, so you, you, this is just what happens. Find out. And if you have to get help, it's okay to ask for help. Don't be, don't be like those people that my pastor talks about. That, so, oh, I know. I know. I know. Okay. Because that's what happens when we shut the door. God's not going to force his love. He's not going to force his light. He's not going to force his mercy, his healing, his deliverance. He's not going to force any of that on us. We have to ask. Ask for ears to hear. You often hear me pray that. Go ahead. And if you're still having trouble, you've prayed and you've asked... Now, I'll be honest, when we are in a difficult situation and our, our anxiety level is through the roof, our heart is racing and all that's going on, it is hard to hear. And there have been times when I've been in, those, in that situation and, you know, I'll spend an hour, God, what do I do? What do I do, God? What do I do? And then I'll quit praying. Hear me. I quit praying and I go do something like wash the dishes and all of a sudden, the answer comes. So be open to hear. He's trying to get, if you read Proverbs at all, if you've ever spent much time in Proverbs, God, God is trying to get help to us all the time. He is trying to get his wisdom. You'll see where wisdom has gone out. She's gone out to the streets, gone out to the street quarters. God has put it out there. He is wanting to get it to us. This God is not, I'm going to say this, God is not hard to receive from. God is not hard. I think most of us, again, it's that thing where our little brains go, does not compute. Because we're trained, life, we get trained by life to think that God's far away, he doesn't care, we have to get figure this out on our own. Wrong. God is trying to get the answer to us, and sometimes that answer might come through uh, more than one time in my life, the answers to my situation came through the lips of a child. 
who may or may not hear this, who may or may not even have known the Lord. Sometimes God, because he loves us so much, he is going to try to be getting that answer to us. If we ask for those ears to hear, again, it may be a radio, television, it may be a coworker, and it may be someone who doesn't even know the Lord. Because that's how much God loves us. And he'll use whoever he needs to. But if we're still having trouble, there is something that we can do. And that's get into that place of worship. Get into that place of worship and just wait in his presence. And if you still haven't heard the answer, just worship some more. Um, remember Jesus, what he told the people in the boat. Why are you afraid? And as much as possible, if we can bring ourselves to that place, okay, God, you love me. God, you love me right now. Even though the boat's sinking, even though I'm in the middle of a storm, you love me. And just have faith enough that he might just do something. <laughs> and just calm down and worship him and thank him. Something that's always really good to do is thank him before the answer comes. So God, I don't know what to do in this situation right now. I don't have wisdom. But I thank you, God, that you somehow are going to get the wisdom to me. Super good thing to do is thank him in advance. That's faith speaking. Thank him in advance. We're going to have to wrap it up. Go ahead. Next slide. I really, really want to get this and, and just release this. The Christian life was made for this world. It can handle it. God can handle it. And with his help, and as needed, when needed, with help from those he's placed around us, we can handle it too. I'm going to read that again and say that again because I don't know what it is about that statement, but it is counter to what the message is from the we get from the world. So I just feel that it's needful for us to just hear this again and again. Our Christian life was made for this world, and not just to survive, as we shared. Look in the book of Revelations. We overcome. We overcome. Yeah, there's martyrs. Yeah, there's these things happen. But what things look like in the natural and what's really happening in the spiritual, we overcome. We overcome. Don't have lifetime. Don't have time to get into a whole other message. The Christian life was made for this world. It can handle it. When we live a Christian life, we can handle it. We can handle what the, what the enemy brings, what life brings, what circumstances bring, what our own bad decisions bring. With God's help and with needed from help from those he's placed around us, we can handle it. Would you stand today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father God, today I just bring your people before you. I bring all of us, including myself and my family, those that are listening online. Father God, in order for this message to be a message you wanted me to deliver, it means, Father, that there are those of us here today, Father, who are experiencing storms, who are in some sinking boats, who are, we look around us and all we see is darkness. We look around us, all we see is emptiness. 
We look around us and all we see is things out of order. We see debt. We see problems. How are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? And some father might even be at the poise of like, you know what? I just give up. I'll just have my last meal and that's it. But Father God, I thank you, Lord, that into each one of our lives today, you have spoken a word. You have spoken words of life. You have spoken words of resurrection power. Father God, even in the dead situations of our life, I didn't get to use the example of Lazarus, but God, you can speak. You have spoken words of life. And so, Father God, I just release that today. Lord, I release in the authority of the name of Jesus. I release words of life, words of hope, words of healing, words of deliverance, words of wholeness, words of shalom. That's nothing missing and nothing broken into each of our spirits, each of our lives, each of our circumstances into our storms today. I, I'm going to just ask some audience participation here. Um, I'm, we're going to, I'm going to just address the storms of our lives, and we're going to say together, peace be still. Okay? So, in the name of Jesus, I speak to the storms in our life, and we corporately agree together and declare, one, two, three, peace be still. And we thank you for that, God. And Lord, even after we leave this place, remind us of those words. Remind us of those words. Father, if we see empty bank accounts, we can speak to them. And we can say, bank account be full in the name of Jesus. If we got empty cabinets, we can speak to them in the name of Jesus. And we can declare, we can say, cabinets be full in the name of Jesus. Empty checkbooks, empty savings accounts, whatever, gas tanks. Gas tanks be full in the name of Jesus. God, you have more than enough. You have designed us to overcome, and God, I just release overcoming, an overcoming spirit into your children today, an overcoming spirit. God, it's your spirit, but God, you have called us to overcome every circumstance that's come against us. We are your overcomers today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. So I bless you. Go in his name. Go in his wisdom. Go in his love and his mercy. In Jesus' name.